Well, uh, it's good to be back. I feel we, we have to apologize. I know that everybody has been waiting on pins and needles for this to come out. When this podcast doesn't come out on Sundays, Dan and I were inundated with two or three messages asking why it didn't come out on Sunday. Um, Dan was down at Frog Hollow. I wasn't, uh, wasn't practical to get it done yesterday, but we're both very excited for this episode. Uh, we appreciate your patience with its tardiness, but, um, we do have just a disclaimer on the front end that we lied to you. We said that we would not have mentioned the B word in this episode. Um, we didn't really think about the fact that Frog Hollow is happening and that we do want to talk about that. So we are not going to say the B word for the second half. Yeah. So of this yeah. Episode. So the first half is we're gonna we're gonna talk about normal stuff, but our deep dives yes will not be bike related. Yes. So, but the first half will just be kind of normal. So, house cleaning before we jump into Frog Hollow because I know a lot of that's probably the coolest event of the year. So many cool stories have come out of that. We do want to get the uh, running group. Uh, that is a thing that will be happening that we want to. Put yeah, in front of you guys. yeah. Check your team snaps. Um, Amy Larkin sent out an invite for the first running group. Um, I can't tell you how much fun running group is, and I am one that does not love to run, but I love going to running group, and oh, yeah. it actually made such a big difference for me. By the by, the end of the winter, I could actually run when I thought I was hopeless. Oh yeah, and I promised myself that I would continue running through the summer, which didn't really happen, but. It's super fun. It's a great way to get some fitness in over the winter. And it's a great way to, to, to see some people and have some, some social aspect to, you know, when oh, yeah. you miss from your group rides and so forth. So, oh yeah. So yeah. Mark that you're coming. Be sure and come. It's going to be fun. Oh yeah. Uh, team snap. Don't delete team snap. Please keep using team snap for stuff like this. Um, uh, and yeah, l- let us know. I, I should say, Running is like Brussels sprouts. Putting on your shoes, walking out the door, and going on a run is like taking a raw Brussels sprout and eating it in, in your hand like an apple. Running with Amy's group is like the Brussels sprouts that you get at Thanksgiving with butter and bacon and everything. It's still Brussels sprouts, but it's the best version of Brussels sprouts, and it's even kind of good. So, okay, wow, that is my props for coming to the running group. Is that did I sell it pretty well? Our metaphors are amazing. Oh, I know. It's we should call it the metaphor show. Um, oh. And before we move on, the other thing, and, and Dan's shy about you know putting this out there, I'm not. If someone wants to sponsor this podcast, we are in a really bad bargaining position right now. So we will call this podcast whatever you want. We will sell our souls to say whatever you want. We'll make whatever claims about your product you want us to make. Uh, we would really love some microphones that don't suck this bad. So uh, if anybody feels like doing that, you have Dan and I's digits. Hit us up. Um, Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I have to throw that in. Um, I, it was funny. I actually recorded just a second ago, a little thing about why you should sponsor us. And there was a really bad crackle in the middle of it as if to just kind of prove my point. So I, I edited that out, but, um, yeah, if somebody is interested in that, definitely hit us up. So, uh, moving on, uh, have to talk about frog hollow. Yeah. Frog hollow. So this was my first time ever going to Frog Hollow because usually it's something I just kind of skip because so I start going to races. I like I go to Vail Lake. I go to like a lot of the nationals it's like races. Right? I go to like all the I cups. Um, you know, I usually try to go to the 12 hours Mesa Verde. I, I go to all the, the Nike races. I just go to so many races on the weekends that 
usually by the time Frog Hollow comes around, I'm just like, you know what, I'd, I can't do another race, you know. And so I've always just kind of missed it, and I really didn't realize what I was missing. That is quite the event. Now, really quick, if, if people aren't familiar, what is Frog Hollow? Where is it? What's the, what's the spiel on Frog Hollow? Okay, so it's the same people that organize True Grit okay. that do excellent event. the 25 Hours of Frog Hollow. Um, why it's called 25 Hours is it happens over daylight savings time. So um, I guess around is it around 2 o'clock or something. Something like that. Like, like you get 1 a.m. twice or something. Yeah, which would probably it's probably pretty discouraging when you're on a bike. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a really long hour of racing. But, yeah, so that's where it gets its name. And, the, and um, it's out in Hurricane, kind of on the Gem Trail area. Um, they do, like, a lot of dirt roads and stuff I didn't even know existed that are super fun. It's a really fun course. I think whoever... Um, set up the course has pretty good knowledge of some of the roads in the, in that area. Um, but there's several different racing options. Um, a lot of people do it as teams, you know, like, like as, as duos or groups of four. Um, a lot of people, and some people actually do it as, as solo riders and there's like 12 hour options and 25 hour options. So there's a lot of different categories you can enter. Um, but my goodness, it like everyone camps there. There's a whole bunch of campers and a whole bunch of people just just it's kind of more like a festival almost just super, super fun. Um, but I it felt like about half of the people there were from Maybird, like so especially like not to brag or anything, especially a lot of people on the podiums and stuff. Just so much. In fact, I wasn't going to go. And someone's like, you know, Dan, you probably should go. And and I was really, really glad I did. It was just a super, super cool experience. So I didn't actually um, I didn't actually sign up to race myself, but I got out there and I really, really wanted to ride. And I I thought, well, you know, maybe I can just jump on and start riding the course and no one had really noticed or anything, but I actually snagged a race plate from someone that wasn't going to race and I put it on my bike and I even tied one of the little uh, ribbons on that, that oh, so many really? people do. To, so I looked legit and I just did a whole bunch of laps, but I, I avoided the timing station. Nice. Okay. You know, so I should do that at a world cup. That'd be <laughs> a really interesting GCN video. Like see if you can sneak into a professional bike race. Yeah, we should try. Yeah, you should try that. But, um, yeah, so I just kind of snuck in and, and I, I rode a bunch of laps with a bunch of different people. I only rode laps with people that were doing solo races because the people that were in teams were going way too fast for how I wanted to ride. And I was actually able to get in a pretty decent ride. I got in about like 140 something miles and, um, really? Yeah. 140? 140. It's more than I rode this weekend, but, um, you know, and just it was just so much fun. But we had, uh, there's just so many cool results to shout out. And and like I say, there were, I wouldn't be surprised if there are 100 Maybird riders there. Yeah. Like, and so we should say, the, the the disclaimer we always give, we can never feature everyone. This team's big. Everyone did awesome. These are a few. These are the few that we've decided to talk about if, today. If we forget to shout you out, it's because we're dumb. 
Oh yeah. And just let us know if we miss anything cool. Hundred yeah. percent. But so gosh, I don't even know where to start because I was really surprised at how much effort people put into this race. Like I kind of thought it was something that people would just kind of go do a for chill, fun, yeah, whatever, not even try and go like you know. And I honestly think that some of the people there put far more effort into this actual race than they put into state champs. It, yeah, which is great, man. You you pick what motivates you and you go do it. Like you know, I think you're a little nuts if this is what you want to throw yourself into, but power to you. So. I'll just start with, okay, so we had some kids out there do some, just, I don't even know how to describe it. Shocking? Just <laughs> unbelievable things. So yeah. Some earth-shattering so, performances. So we had several, probably I would guess about 10 Maybird riders do the, the full 25 hours. And, um, and, I, and that's kind of what I did, but I actually like... I, after every lap, I'd stop and I'd go eat some real food and walk around a little bit and then get back on my bike and go do a lap. How and long are your laps again? They're 13-mile laps, take okay. about an hour How much climbing so. per lap? You know, probably 1,100 feet. It's not okay. a whole lot of climbing. It's not too bad. Gotcha. Uh, maybe more, maybe like 1,300 feet. I don't know, but it's not okay. a ton of climbing. Um, you know, and, and I did it kind of chill. Um, I even, during the middle of the night, I attempted to sleep a little bit too some of these kids just kept going all and they would like like they had a pit crew there and they would like pull their bikes up someone would lube their chain hand them some food hand them a jacket put on their lights you know like some of these kids really didn't stop and they just went all night long it was crazy so um in the solo mill and this is out of everybody like open category, open category, pros, amateurs, you know, um, our Ben Bigwood got second place and he rode around 260 miles pretty much without stopping, got over 2,100, um, vertical feet of climbing. I, I would hope that he got 20, 20, try the number again, Dan, 2,100 vertical feet. 21,000. There you Can go. Can you back up? Yeah, no, no. I was going to say, Ben Bigwood raced in Florida while everybody else was racing in Hurricane. <laughs> okay, 21,000, which I'm just not used to saying that when yeah, I'm talking about. That is a big, fat number that you don't throw around a whole lot in. Yeah, yeah. He, he got about 20 laps done. Wow. And and I rode a couple with him, and yeah, that's just, yeah. Way to go, Ben. The one that um, I... I just really just just got to shout this kid out is Drew Derrick. Oh yeah, he was. He I was, understand that Drew uh, really went really went deep at this event. Um, yeah, so Drew um, Drew and Ben were just kind of neck and neck. They were almost like it's like this twenty five hour race, but these two were actually racing. Like I um I tried to ride some laps with these guys. And they were going all day at a pace I couldn't really even sustain. It was shocking how fast they were going. And Drew, my goodness, he he was so strong all day long. But he was just, he was on a mission. And he was, giving up was never an option for Drew. So he did like, he got over 250 miles 20,000 feet of vert, um, 
got 19 laps in. He he was just flying, and he um, but on his last lap he was like he was just a few seconds behind Ben, and they were like racing the last lap, like after riding solid for like these these two are racing, and um, you know I I think he kind of dehydrated and kind of popped at the end. Um, but still finished strong and, you know, just giving up was just never an option for Drew. It was so inspiring. Like what, an, just an amazing performance by both of those guys. Um, Drew actually, he, um, he, he dehydrated a little bit and, and kind of just did a lot of mus- muscle damage and, and got rhabdo and had to go to the, the emergency room and eventually to the hospital to, to get an IV and, and be monitored overnight and, and so forth. But he's I've, doing fine. I've gone hard on the bike before. I haven't put myself in the hospital yet. And I don't know that we should endorse that approach to cycling, but... Way to go. But, man, like, that's and, impressive, and the, dude. And that's like, the thing is, is, like, he really... Like, the doctor, um, Rocky was telling me that the doctor said that very few people have the mental toughness to push themselves to that point. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's like something you'd hear about someone doing in the war in the trenches or something, you know, like that's going that far or like the guy, like like I was thinking these guys should just do unbound. It would have been easier. I know. Right. Cause like I was thinking like I, I went and pre-rode the true grit course a couple weeks ago in St. George and like, I rode six hours and I finished and I'm like, man, I'm beat. Oh, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm so cool. I just rode my bike for six hours. And then, you know, to be racing an hour 25 and to end up in the hospital, which again, we don't want people in the hospital and we're glad Drew's fine, but Holy smokes. Wow. I, it's, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's super impressive. Yeah. Um, but we also like in the solo female 25 hour category, our Nina Martin, um, and I rode a few laps with her. She got 14 laps in, which is over 180 miles. That's crazy. And like 15 or 16,000 feet. Um, we, and, and we had a lot of girls, a lot of um, solo girls doing it, like Sam Shaw, Annabelle Erickson, Lizzie Pugh, Abby Schmidt, Alcee Knapp. Um, those girls all got between 100 to 150 miles, which that is a big ride. You know, that's like, yeah, you don't have yeah. to defend that. Like, no, that's pretty good. You know, like that's the <laughs> um, word you're looking for is ludicrous. Yeah. So um, the duo male category, and this is like, there were pros in this category. Like when, when the race started off, this one guy was just way off ahead of the group. And I can't remember his name. It rang a bell, but I overheard someone saying he was actually a pro writer. Um, well, Somehow uh, Andrew Preston passed him on the first lap and <laughs> was leading the race for a while. And um, but Andrew Preston and and Braden McNichols they ended up getting second overall, and that's like the open male category. Like yeah, there were some heavy hitters in that group. Um, they were just flying. Like Andrew got one lap that was like forty nine oh four or something. Ooh, that's um, quick! Wow. Yeah, Braden's just coming off of a injury they were flying and and the thing is is like these guys like they only get like an hour between each lap oh yeah so which not, goes by quick that's not enough to sleep that's not a, yeah so they're kind of doing like eye cut paces all day long um we had a lot of uh uh so we also had some 
on the podium we had some of the four-person male group this this team was a pretty speedy team they had like xander and cole and and dane cowan and yeah they're all right and Andy, yeah, you know. um yeah and they were pulling some really fast these guys were just flying just amazing to watch um yeah marcus eli heber and mac had a group out there too um and it was funny because eli ferdner came up to me and said hi and at first when he walked by and was talking i thought it was lakota oh really he kind of looks like lakota doesn't whoa. he whoa he, that... he kind of does i haven't put that together but yeah like, whoa isn't that kind of cool that i was gonna say reincarnation but lakota's like three years older than me <laughs> and in great health so um <laughs> wow dude that's eli, eli man i yes. love eli how, so... how did eli do well, they did great. They were like, I think, fourth. So they got on a podium. Dang, dude. Um, yeah. And and then we in the four person female, um, one of our groups got second place. That was like that was um, Brooklyn Schallenberger, Ella Balls, Emma Daly, and Lauren Montague. Um, Another team of absolute hitters there. Yeah, they were. Flying. See those names they, on the roster, you start sweating a little bit. Yeah, like each of these girls and this. And they did about 80 miles, like 70 to 80 miles each. But each lap, you're doing it like an I-cup pace. Yeah. You know, it's it's like doing a whole bunch of I-cups in one day. So like when I do the 12 hours of Mesa Verde, the last time I did that was with uh, Jacob and Ryder. And I did three laps of that course, which is maybe a little longer, maybe a little more climbing, I want to say. Yeah, it's a little long. It's, it's lit, 17 but, miles. But. Uh, but holy smokes, man, like. I did three of those, and I was like, man, I rock. I am so cool. I just basically did three I-cups in a day. And then these guys are over here doing, like, ten I-cups in a day, yeah. which is, you know, man, dude. I'm developing self-esteem issues well, while you're, well, like, going over this race. Well, that's what me, too. I thought what I did was kind of cool. Right. But it really pales in comparison to, like, because I was taking it kind of slow and easy and eating a lot. between these, these guys were just hitting it hard all day long. Um, we, another, like in that same category, we had some really young girls get on the podium in, in third place. They got, um, like Ainsley Haas. Okay. I was out there riding in at night and she passed me like I was standing still. It was again, very humbling. Um, that's the benchmark when you can pass Dan Draper, like he's standing still, you know that you're <laughs> moving, um, uh, but yeah, and Eloise and Ruby Derrick and, and Amy was on that team. Um, they were the speedy Amigas. There you go. And they were just, man, just so fast. Those girls were just awesome. Um, there's also like the 12 hour, you know, the 12 hour categories too. And Lucas Hull, um, I can't remember what place he got, but he, he was on the podium. Um, but I was thinking about him. Have you ever watched Wednesday? Uh, the, the Netflix show about the Adams family? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he looks like Tyler on Wednesday, oh, okay. which is a good thing. I say it as if I know what that means. Yeah. Someone out there knows what that means. Hopefully that reference is useful for Amy thinks Tyler on Wednesday is good looking, so that's a good thing. Lucas, hey, but... well, whatever you achieve this weekend, Lucas, it, you know, pales in comparison to the fact that you look like someone from a show dance at one time. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of value we like to add on this podcast. Absolutely. So, so this was a really cool race. The, um, the solo girls, the 12 hour. And the thing about these, these 12 hour races is these people like, they, they never stopped. They like never got off their bikes. They 
you know, they would pull up and someone would lube their chain, change their bottles, give them some food and send them on their way. Like they would stop for maybe just a few, like less than a minute. Um, but in, in the open women's category, our Kareen Higgins got first place. And I'll say it again. If that name doesn't mean anything to you yet, first of all, how's the rock you live under? Is it nice? Second of all, learn it because that's that's going to be yeah. that's that's like a World Cup name. But soon, yeah. And Sienna Sienna Peterson got got third. Um, just just was riding just a little bit behind Kareem the whole time, and Aspen Fonger got fourth. So, and this is out of like a lot of top notch fast riders. It was, but it was so impressive to watch these girls because they would like, there was literally blood and tears heading out on their last lap, but they were just so determined to, to push through. And, and it was just so awesome to see them. I, I was lucky enough to ride a lap or so with Sienna and just the pace that they were riding all day long was impressive. So way to go girls. I should Um, say, it's unusual for teenagers and young adults to be one capable of and two interested in doing something this hard, like not just for the kids listening, but for the parents of these kids, you have unusual and talented kids who are going to do big things because like having like the mental fortitude to push yourself through something like this is a, not maybe not unique, but extremely rare skill. Like that's super Super, super cool. Yeah, it was just really cool. One more. And I, I had this in my notes, and I got distracted talking about Drew's trip to the hospital. Uh, one of my boys, I have to shout out Nathaniel Jensen. Oh, I got to ride with him. You got to. So that's a let. Because he was one of the guys who were like, this is my big thing. That he, All the eggs were in this basket for him. And he crushed it. He slayed it, man. Yeah, that was he, awesome. He, was, he, he had a strong ride. Yeah. He's... I had so much fun riding with him. And I just wish this podcast could be three hours long. No one else does. But so we could <laughs> actually like get get to really recognize everybody who deserves it. Because um, holy smokes, man. Yeah. Bravo to everyone. Yeah, if we missed anyone, let us know. Yeah. It was just an awesome day. And I mean, there were like, I'm missing so many cool stories yeah. and things. Like we know? said. Like like Lucas's dad got first place in, in like senior men or whatever category it was. So um, yeah, I... It was just a good day to to be part of Maybird for me. I just was really super happy. I had so much fun. Um, I know I kind of spent a long time on that, but it was a really cool experience for me. And um, thanks for everyone that came out. It was so so. Here we go. So does the does the moratorium on the B word begin now? Yeah, this is now. Well, let me just remind everyone, especially those that did Frog Hollow. Oh yeah, take a break. Yep. Yes, you guys, um, and hydrate too. Make sure you <laughs> you rehydrate. From Once you get out of the hospital, make sure you you have some some. No, water I was so dehydrated after that. Like I've, I have never been that dehydrated. I think I I, I wasn't drinking enough. But um, yes, it's it is time. I promise, your schemo or your running or whatever will be better later in the season if you take a little bit of a break right now before you jump into your next serious training block so and to inspire you to do that we're going to remind you that there are interesting things without two wheels so 
With that in mind, uh, Dan and I have both prepared little. We don't know what the other person has has decided to to prepare yeah, a little. But we thing are going on. to attempt to talk about non bike things. Yes. Now, do, do you want do you want to go first? Should I go first? Um, I don't know how you you choose. Okay. Tell you what, maybe maybe let me go first. Okay. Because I'm gonna have the moratorium on on the B word start right after I explain how I landed on my topic, which as I mentioned. Uh, that I, I went on a long bike ride in St. George doing the, the tr- I was doing a trigger pre ride. Um, and while I was riding, I had kind of a Zen moment. My headphones died. <laughs> I was out on Stuky and um, it's very quiet. It's very remote. It's, it's the bit of Stuky Springs where you go clear out. Like clear That's my out. favorite part. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's demoralizing when you're out there, but you're out there and, and you are very aware that you're on a really interesting patch of earth you know it's it's remote it's it's pretty empty there's not a whole lot in any direction that you can see there's not a whole lot growing but as i was riding along you kind of get to that the end of the climb before you start the kind of straight line descent over to the cove wash area and i, and I stopped up there because i was i was going slow my legs were awful i wasn't pushing for a good time i was like i'm gonna stop really quick and have, have a granola bar and as i'm stopped i'm kind of looking off and there's there's sort of a little pile of dirt next to me in the middle of nowhere and out of this little pile of dirt there's a little green shoot popping out with like a single leaf on it and I was kind of staring at it because I was in sort of delirious dehydrated zen state and I'm like that is so like we may as well be on Mars right now and there's still something like have you ever had those moments where you just see something growing and you're like how are you do like how could you possibly be be doing that because you just said you were you were down at Frog Hollow for a day, right? Granted, working hard, but you, how dehydrated you were, how exhausted you were, just how unforgiving a lot of this rock that we live on is, right? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, like why would that plant choose to grow there and not somewhere else? But right, how can it grow there, right? You know, you, you think like how often does it rain out there? Like it does, it does rain in St. George, but it's it's pretty rare. I mean, you probably have periods of a month or two where there's essentially no moisture. And you wonder like how many nutrients are even in that soil, right? And, and it's, it kind of got me thinking, um, you know, like when I was a kid, I, I, I loved in school when the teacher just wasn't having it and they just turn on like a nature documentary or whatever, you know, to kind of like watch and, you know, like learn about all that stuff. So I, I was very interested and, 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 you know, like thinking about like how, how life works and what life, even is. Um, and, and I, I, I happened to see a little blurb on TikTok. Uh, this oh, guy, so this is going to be good. This is going to be really good. No, I promise this is not TikTok sourced, but <laughs> this guy, this guy said, he's like, can you list TikTok as a reference? Can you just there? be like a little footnote, like TikTok, like cite the video or whatever. <laughs> this guy was, is, I, I happened to run across this thing where, where this guy was talking about the most underappreciated scientific experiments ever. And have you ever heard of the Miller or Lee uh, experiment, is that something that rings a bell for you at all? Because no. for ninety nine point nine percent of people, it won't. This isn't like, you know, Pavlov making his dog drool or you know Isaac <laughs> Newton's apple falling out of the tree. This isn't e equals m c squared. Like, there's a lot of kind of pop culturey scientific experience that a lot of people know about. This is a really interesting one that I couldn't believe I'd ever heard of. Um, it uh, so Stanley Miller and Harold Early were. Um, at the University of Chicago in the, in the early 50s. And they 
were the first people that we know of to ever create organic matter from inorganic matter. So why does that matter? <laughs> why does it matter? Well, I'll tell you why it matters, Dan. Um, and that does sound kind of pedestrian, right? But it, it's, it really is a, a pretty insane step if you think about it, right? Because a lot of people wonder, like, we have, like, you and I are here sitting on couches talking about our feelings into a microphone. That's how to, you know, like this, this planet was just a bunch of rocks to begin with, right? How do we end up with you and I and Bluetooth and Hallmark and, you know, like the Nintendo Wii or whatever. And DI2. Like, and, right, exactly, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it, is, it is a bigger step than you think. And basically what they did was they created a vacuum and then they filled that vacuum with stuff that we know was in the early Earth, right? Namely, and I'm going to look at my notes here to make sure, make sure that I nail this. Uh, namely, uh, methane, ammonia, hydrogen, and water vapor. Not, incidentally, oxygen, which was not on the Earth at this point. Isn't oxygen part of water? Uh, yeah, well, but not like like oxygen that we could breathe. Okay. Right, like just pure pure oxygen, like the stuff that we respirate. Right, like wasn't you know because that's a byproduct. You couldn't of have breathed life. in their vacuum. No, you couldn't have. That's what a vacuum is. Oh. Um, that sounded really snotty. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> As if I have like the science chops to be throwing that level of sass around. Um, no, and then, and then they basically electrocuted it. So you have all those plus lightning, right? And um, after, after a Did week... Did they make a volcano with like... No, with like baking soda? <laughs> yeah. So there is more to science than that, okay. um, allegedly, from what I hear. Um, but they, they synthesized uh, amino acids. That They got amino acids out of this, which I should say are not life, but they are organic matter, right? And so we don't, and, and the study of this is called abiogenesis. It's one of the most interesting things that you can do in biology. Um, and again, like, you know, amino acids are not alive and they aren't life. And there's significant steps between, you know, like creating life from nothing. And, you know, so there's, there's holes, but um, uh, it's, it's still a really interesting advance. And, 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 you know, there's, there's some, again, like big holes in our knowledge as, as to, you know, how you get from that to, to life, but I, I realized like what what like if if, I, if you had to tell me then what is life? How do you def how is something? When is something alive? Oh boy! Um, See, it's kind of a tricky yeah, question, huh? Because again, like amino acids are organic, but they're not alive. But a tomato is both organic and alive. You know, so like what you know? How would you? What would your definition of life be? Something that can die. <laughs> Something that can die. That's actually, whoa, that's way, there's no way you can't. That's insanely insightful. Um, it is a little more complicated than that. But basically, they say that the benchmark for something to be alive is that it's organized, um, composed of one or more cells. Um, it has metabolism, which we talk about, you know, talk about, it says, has uh, um, metabolic pathways, has to have energy transformation. It has to be able to grow and develop at some level. Uh, it has to be able to reproduce. It has to respond to stimuli and it has to have homeostasis, and then it's something where you can observe evolution, right? So organic things are basically just stuff made of carbon. And if there are science literate people listening to this, yes, that is an insanely uh, inept explanation of what organic means. But like basically things made of carbon, a lot of things made of carbon, we consider organic, but they're not all alive, right? And so it's interesting that we, we don't know exactly what the earliest life would have been, but we know that about three and a half to four billion years ago, there was stuff alive on the earth. And they say that if you go back far enough, there's, there's something called LUCA, which is the last universal common ancestor. 
that they say would have been a, a group of, you know, in theory, there might be an individual that all life descends from, but that there, there is, if you go far back enough, a group of prokaryotes, which are, are, are single-celled organisms that don't even have a nucleus, right? Like very, very basic um, a form of life. They say, and that one of the leading hypotheses right now is that they coalesce around like volcanic vents in the ocean, right? But that over time, over billions of years, they develop more and more, and then eventually, you know, you, they turn into like fish and snails and stuff under the water that we can recognize, expand out onto land and stuff. But as I read it, as I read farther, that's, you kind of think it's like, ah, yes, and now there's life, triumph, you know, life will be forever. But there have actually been five occasions when life came pretty close to being wiped out on this planet, which I really wasn't aware of, you know, because we know that like the dinosaurs all got wiped out with the asteroid, right? But there were four other occasions on this planet that almost ended life. Is that something you were aware of? No. See, I, I didn't know this either, and it's, it's really interesting. And, and, and again, I'll, I'll repeat that number because I don't want to be lost on you. There was life on Earth, they think, we'll say four billion years ago, right? The first of these extinction events came 443 million years ago and mostly involved like super, super basic like little bugs, you know, like things you'd have to look under a microscope to see, right? We're alive, but for billions of years this was just a rock with some water on it with some in, in, just extremely simple little life forms and about 443 years ago 443 years ago 443 million years ago 70 percent of them died and they think that it was probably because um of, of glaciation they say there was a lowering in sea levels basically the earth got colder a lot of the earth froze sea levels lowered and then they say there also might have been gamma ray bursts from the sun crazy stuff like that because the earth didn't have like an atmosphere in the same way that it does now right so that happens and then life recovers and then 359 million years ago another 70 to 75 percent of all species uh, uh died off because and th this one's really interesting because of widespread anoxia in the ocean basically there there were uh, there was there was some rapid climate change that happened they say there may be also a couple impacts from asteroids and comets and stuff and that caused the, the oxygen balance in the ocean to change. And everything in the ocean, because at this point, most stuff lived in the ocean, just suffocated, right? And then, and then another 252 million years ago, so we're getting you know, closer and closer in time to us. Um, this was the largest mass extinction event. They say up to 96% of all marine species and 70% of terrestrial vertebrate species died off. 96%, which is insane to think about, right? That like, you have, nine, you have 4% of, of the life that was in the ocean originally that's still there, right? And this one they believe was probably the result of uh, huge volcanic eruptions in Siberia. That in just one region of the world, there was enough volcanic activity to spread enough stuff into the atmosphere that it throws off the balance, right? It's amazing what people can learn by staring at a rock through a microscope. So this was actually, you're actually jumping, you're jumping the gun. Because one of the things, I, I was reading all this, I'm like, how, what are they just guessing, right? Yeah, like, how do you know, Like, right? whenever I hear about, like, 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 like astrophysicists talking or whatever, you know, I'm kind of like, well, who's going like, to check your work, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah. No, this is, this is interesting. And so I actually looked into this. I was like, how... How could you possibly know that, right? Because I could just come up with a theory. I'm like, you know, about 70 gazillion light years away, there's a solar system that 
has gamma rays that can cause light. I don't know. You could just like totally make up stuff that you couldn't like really prove or disprove because it's so far away. You know, it's gonna... well, that's the interesting thing. And so, you know, and so I, I, I went and I was, I was curious and I basically just like Googled like, okay, but like, how do we know? Right. Um, and it's, it's really interesting the way that they can figure these things out. And the first one is by looking at the fossil record, right? Scientists can say, you know, like we found the fossils for these things that we can carbon date, we can do isotope dating to know that they're from this point. And then they're like, and then all of a sudden there's just no fossils at certain levels, you know, cause you go deeper and deeper, you get older and older. And they'll say at certain points you get to the point where there's just not much there for a big, huge amount of time. They're just very limited numbers of fossils that they find. They can also look at geochemical uh, evidence, which is where they're analyzing isotopes like your carbon, your oxygen and stuff in the rock layers that can tell you what the global temperature was, what the ocean chemistry was. And then if there's any like, um, you know, like extraterrestrial impacts, if you have asteroids and meteors falling, like they can tell this stuff pretty accurately. Um, and, and I should say too that they'll say, this happened between 450 and 460 million years ago. So that's a 10 million year period that you're dealing with there. So you can't be super accurate on like the exact, like we'll never know the exact year that the asteroid hit that killed the dinosaurs, but we can get pretty darn close, right? And so, and, and, and really quick, just to kind of round it out as I go back through my notes here, um, uh, we talked about the one where nine, that was the third one was where 96% of everything in the ocean died, right? The next one happened during the Jurassic period. 50% of all species were lost because of volcanic activity, um, and, and, uh, uh, basically like uh, the greenhouse effect happening from volcanoes. Right. And then the most famous one that we all know is about 66 million years ago, the asteroid hit. Right. And do you, do you know where the asteroid actually hit? Like Arizona or something? It was the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, yeah. which I, I didn't really, I didn't really know either, but that's when we, where we can be, they, they say like, you know, these other ones that you, you kind of have a range where like so 450, 470 million, somewhere in there. They know that this happened about 66 million years ago which is still, they probably have a million years to play with, which is an insane amount of time. But um, we know pretty well that, that an asteroid hit Earth that did so much damage, that shot so much stuff out into the sky, that 50% of everything that was alive died. And that event, I didn't actually realize this, is kind of why mammals run the planet today, is why you and I run the planet today, and not dinosaurs. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, which is really interesting. And, and you know, I was kind of reading about all of these insanely harsh things that can happen to the earth and, and things can still live. And I started reading and they've found, they've found life living, um, under like, like deep, deep in the ocean in environments where there's barely any oxygen, where the temperature's over hundred degrees Celsius, right? Like they've found, um, they've found organisms living in the ice in the permafrost of the Arctic and Antarctic. They've found life living in, in areas of really high salinity, like in the dead sea and the great salt lake stuff's alive in there, mm -hmm. you know? Um, they even, they even have, uh, you know, like water, have you ever seen water bears, little microscopic organisms that can live in space. Hmm. Right. And I was, I, I don't know if there's like, you know, I would say like, I don't know how you climb off the ladder. Right. Like, but I, I was just, I've been thinking about that ever since I saw that, that like somehow, you know, billions of years ago, cells figured out how to reproduce and, and how to copy their, you know, the, their genetic material and pass it on and grow and get bigger and bigger and adapt to their environments. And no matter what happens, it just kind of keeps happening. It's almost like this little Pandora's box that opened. And until something really catastrophic happens, until a planet hits us, 
like, you know, and we always talk about like, you know, humans doing horrible things to the environment today, which is bad and will hurt us. Life will carry on. You know, it might not be us. And if it is us, we might be less comfortable. But it was almost kind of comforting to know that like, you know, like an, an asteroid can hit Earth with the force of millions of atomic bombs and can block out the sun and can fill the sky with ash and the ocean, ocean can turn to acid and there will still be cells reproducing and trying to live. And I thought that, I don't know if that's inspiring. That's really cool. It made me wish I was smart enough to do something like biology, hmm. you know. So Whoa. that was my thing. That I don't know if that was at all interesting to any of you non-nerds, but... That was um, lots of fun. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm interested to see where you go with your thing, because you're probably going to be like, didn't you do like the fear of chickens last time or something? That was one of them. So I actually had... so. So I had three ideas that I wanted to talk about and, but the, pro, well, the first, the first idea I had was I wanted to do like a little thing on the history of post grape nuts cereal <laughs> because like, I was kind of curious, like Dan and I read the assignment differently. <laughs> I, I always think so big. And the thing I want to talk about is this grand existential thing. And Dan's like, I'm afraid of chickens, and I love post-grape nuts. <laughs> no, I don't love I just was curious why they were called grape nuts, because they don't have grape or nuts in them. That is true, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I did a little research on that, but I'm like, okay, I've got like a minute worth of stuff here. Isn't it because grapes have seeds and they look like grape seeds? That's one of the theories. What theory wait isn't there someone we can ask is that like are we debating this yeah like How they, long they really they don't around? know they really don't know they've been around forever what? and like the guy that invented them like made all these claims that they're like they have all like they strengthen your teeth when you chew them and stuff what? And, you know isn't so. it incredible the things that people could claim before the fda became a thing <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i mean the nut part is because they taste nutty you know but okay there, there is one thing, and I wasn't even going to talk about this, but now that we are, you know. Okay. I, um, I was like, I really hope this isn't the thing that you landed on, but okay. No, you know, but I do like grape. I actually eat grape nuts. Yeah, you know, they're... I, I like grape they're nuts. They're kind of, yeah. They, they're not good, but, you know, like, I don't know. If you put blueberries on them, they're okay. I don't know if they're good for you. You have to eat them faster. They get too soggy. Okay. But Okay. So that was the first thing I thought about talking about. The next thing I thought about talking about... Um, was Moon Lake in the Uintas. Okay. And supposedly it's really haunted. Ah. And apparently, but I'm not going to talk about this. I'm just going to mention it. You know, okay. Because I might talk about it later. But so we're, we're, these are the things I'm, that I'm lost talking about the things, eventual topic. I'm talking about the things I'm not going to talk about. Okay. Um, but apparently the legend has it there was like a girl that drowned in the lake and she haunts the campgrounds now. But the interesting thing about it is all of her sightings are during the day and not at night, which usually ghosts show up at night, right? I guess that's that's a ghosting innovation there. Yeah, but the but this ghost will show up during the day. Maybe it's actually just like a real little girl walking around. But Wouldn't that be a bummer if if she kept like, oh, someone found me, and like, oh no, a ghost, <laughs> run away. <laughs> That's a sitcom right there. See, someone from Netflix should call me because yeah. Um, so what won out in the end? Well, then there was one more I even thought about too, is what causes washboards on roads. I thought that would be interesting to talk about. So just to clarify, 
we agreed to come up with interesting topics. Um, oh, I, don't wait, know if I think people misread. are way more interested in grape nuts okay, and washboards. Let's take a vote. <laughs> Who's more interested in the determined persistence of life through the millennia versus post grape nuts and why dirt roads get bumpy? <laughs> oh, and a lake, a lake with a ghost, with a ghost that has an unusual schedule, and that's like that's the hook. I'd love to see you pitch that in a writer's room. Like, hey, there's a ghost and a lake. But she has a responsible sleep schedule. See, there you go. You just can't stay mad at a guy this creative, I guess. Yeah. So what went out? So the thing is, is I was at Frog Hollow all weekend. I didn't have time to do the amount of research that a proper grape. (laughs) That a (laughs) proper. We'd have a really half-baked grape nut presentation. Like, you know, when you were supposed to read War and Peace in English class and you have to present it, you're like, so post grape nuts, they're grape flavored nuts. So I didn't, have, I didn't really have the time to do the research justice. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I'm kind of phoning it in. Would have been some journalistic malpractice there, man. That would have been a real bummer. Um, and so the topic I want to do, and I thought you might enjoy this. Okay. Is my five favorite items at my five favorite restaurants. Okay. Okay. You know what? That is better. I think it's nice that you set the bar so low with yourself with your first three pitches that I'm hearing this and I'm like, nailed it. Okay. Spot on. Okay. Are there any, are there any like stipulations on what counts? Like, yeah, kind of. So one thing, these are actually, I'm going to say they're local restaurants, but some of them are in St. George, which kind of counts, you know, cause okay. I wanted these to be things that people have actually been to or tried. You know, this I don't want to say relatable, like, right? Yeah. I don't want to say it's like my favorite restaurant was this place I went in, in Florence, Italy or something. Right, like right, that. right. Yeah, cause yeah. And so, yeah. So like I thought of my five favorite restaurants and then my favorite dish at each of my five favorite restaurants. Okay. And so like. You know, and the challenge would be for everyone to go try them all and just oh, see. Okay, and see if Dan's really see if I'm, something. I will say, I love food. I'm a lover of food. Food is interesting to me. I will be harshly critiquing you because this is your five favorite things to eat at a restaurant. That's that's a pretty, mm-hmm. hmm, okay. And, and the thing is, like my two, well, maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. Two things that I really, really love are bikes and food. We've talked about this. This is something that Dan and I have in common. We've both we've both reflected that if either of us ever won the lottery, or got hit by an Amazon van, that and if we we had billions of dollars to waste away for the rest of our lives, that we would still ride bikes and eat food. We might ride better bikes and eat occasionally better food, but fundamentally, you and I are still going on a bike ride and getting a burrito after. It's exactly. Like, it's as good as life gets. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. We are all. We are. Dan and I don't agree on a lot, but that is. That is one point where we're on the same page. So, okay, so I'll just I'll just jump into this. Is now, it a ranking? Is it? I these are kind of in random order. I, okay, I couldn't really rank them. I was really struggling with that. So these are in no particular order. Okay, okay. So I'll start with number one. Okay, and that's going to be Angelica's in Saint George. Hitter W. I'm going to say W or L to rank your okay. your your pick. So that's a dub. Um, I love that place. Okay. It's just like, I, I partially love it because I'm in St. George and I just love being in St. George in the winter. Yes. In February. Yeah. It just does my positive soul. association. Yeah. Yeah. Does my soul so much good. My favorite item there is their sweet pork burrito yep. with a with, side. Okay. Of, of fajita vegetables. 
so contentious point, I have my fajita vegetables inside the burrito. What is the sell for having them on the side? It's both good. But I kind of like them on the outside um, just because it's more food. I, okay, I don't, I don't follow. Like, why would it be more food? Because if they put them inside, it takes up more of the burrito space. So this is a value thing for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like them outside. And it costs you just as much. Okay. So that's still a W. Yeah. I, I will say that is a, that is a good pick. That is a thing Yeah, the I sweet pork burrito, well. but you have to get the fajita vegetables yeah. with it. Now, if you're not familiar, Angelica's is a, a new-ish St. George thing, maybe three, four Three, four, years five old. years, maybe. And it's, is, it, is it Main Street that it's on? Um, is that Main Street? Uh, Boulevard. St. George Boulevard. St. George Boulevard. Um, definitely check it out. Winter's coming. It's excellent. Yes, yeah. it's, it's and, some of my favorite. But food. the thing is, is their salsa is so good that, and I'm always like, like whenever I'm out riding, I always start craving salsa and enchilada sauce. Yeah, and and I will get there, and I will like while I'm waiting for my food to come, I'll grab some of the little cups of salsa, grab some spoons, and I'll be eating the salsa with a spoon. I'm so hungry. Yeah, good. That's a that's it's, a good pick. It's so good. So definitely try it. It's worth the wait. The wait will be long, but it's worth it. Okay, so that was number one. Okay, number two. Number two, red iguana. W, okay, that's a good pick. Okay. Some people say red iguana is overrated. I say those people are haters. It really is very good. Yeah. So my favorite dish at red iguana, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. Oh, here we go. Buckle up all you Spanish speakers. Okay, huevos. I got that right. Okay. Mutulanos? Mutulanos? Huevos mutilados. Something like that. But what it is, basically, is they'll take their pork carnitas. Okay. And then they take their mole amaretto, which is Ooh. a mole that they make out of golden raisins, yellow tomatoes, yellow zucchini, and habaneros. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so good. And they put um, they put cheese on it. They put poached eggs on it. Oh, my gosh. And they put bacon on it. Oh, my god! I haven't had this. It is amazing. That sounds insanely good. And then they put like their tortillas underneath it. And the thing about red iguana is it's amazing in every way, except their tortillas aren't that great. Their tortillas are lacking. I think they're especially, kind of like, especially compared to the rest of their food. That's yeah. They that's kind of seem spot. like Lynn Wilson tortillas. Yeah. Or like, like mission tortillas. Yeah. That you get at Smith's for like taco if, night. If red iguana had cafe Rio level tortillas. Yeah. That. What's frustrating too, because I can make like if you don't know, making tortillas at home is 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 pretty easy. It's pretty easy to make a good tortilla at home, and you'd think that Utah's premier Mexican restaurant would have nailed this, but I, you know, I don't know. But everything else is amazing. Oh, but yeah. the tortillas on this, it's it, it, yeah, it's fine. But that dish is amazing. That sounds insane. So it's it's a little spicy, but I'm kind of a medium guy, and I can handle it. Oh, okay. Um, but. So you and I need to go on a hike, and then that after soon. Yes, that sounds really good. It's it's amazing. It okay. makes me very happy. Okay, okay, good win. Okay. W two W's. Let's see if I want you to have an L that I can roast you on, but we'll see. I don't think I will. I've got really good taste in food. Okay. So number three, it used to be called Bombay House, but now for some reason they call it Mumbai, Mumbai House. House. Copyright stuff. They is probably got trademark or stuff. Yeah, or all, all of the cease place. and desist or. Known historically as Bombay. Well, I still call it Bombay House. Yeah, it's Bombay always going to be Mumbai House. It's always going to be Bombay House. Which, by and, the way, W. 
Yeah. Yeah. And if you're in St. George, it's like the Red Elephant or something. Red Fort. Red Fort. Red Fort. Same people. Very similar restaurant. I don't yeah. know why they don't just call it the same thing. I think they should call it Red Fort up here. Yeah. Because it is the same thing. Right? Yeah. It's like the same. Same people. Same people own it. Cool. Um, so we're saying these are interchangeable. Yeah. Okay. But my favorite dish there is um, the Molly Kofta. I don't know if I'm yes. pronouncing that right. Okay, you've you've had me try this, and this is something. I one time I went out to dinner there, and I had no idea what I wanted, and I was gonna my my goal was just to try something, because we should say when non-Indian people in the United States go and get Indian food, they get tikka masala or butter or chicken. butter chicken, which both of those are amazing. They're golden nectar from the gods. They're so good, but. I do, I do always kind of wonder, because you don't get Indian a lot, because Indian's kind of an expensive sit-down experience yeah. around here. For, for, to me, like to Indian, for me, Indian's like, kind of like, like Mexican food's my favorite, but like yeah. Indian's kind of like the Lexus version of Mexican a little bit, you know? It's kind of I like, actually kind of agree with that. that yeah. Like, it's, it's like, it's like the Because it's like the nan bread's like tortillas, but right. it's thicker and, you know. When so you're talking about like mole, curry, it's, it's the same, you know, like Mexican's your day-to-day and you know, fun, yeah, building, like Indian food, I like blocks. to do kind of like a more on, on special, birthdays and anniversaries, yeah, like a special occasion. Yeah. So okay. it's kind of dressed up Mexican. And so it's always a risk on those occasions to skip out on the tikka masala and the butter chicken that you know are good to try something else, but you've been rewarded in doing so. Oh yeah, the Mali kofta. I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I love that, and so and it's actually like a vegetarian. Dish. I was gonna say it is vegetarian, right? It which, which is, was incidental. I didn't right. do it because it was vegetarian. You know. Okay. Um, but they have like, they have like these little, they're like, they call them vegetable balls, Okay. but they're super soft and they almost taste like a dumpling, like a really warm, comforting dumpling that your grandma would have made. And, and then they have this sauce on it. That's like this creamy buttery sauce that has like cashews in it. And it just tastes so like. It's like the most comforting of all comfort food. And it, it's not meaty though, which is the thing, because you've had me try this and it's really interesting to get such like a savory kind of umami experience from like, again, the fact that this is vegetarian is incidental, but it's, it's impressive because usually vegetarian is kneecapping you from a flavor perspective, right? Um, and it's, I don't even know, like, what does it taste like? It's really buttery tasting to me. Which, you know. Which explains why it might be right. good. But it, it almost reminds me of like, like when I was a kid, we had like these casseroles that would you'd use like cream of mushroom soup in it or something, and it almost reminds me of that a little bit. It's kind of huh. like a, the Bombay house people would be thrilled that you're making that comparison. I'm sure <laughs> that's what they were going for. But no, but it's I just it's just like it's very good. It's very good. It's very good. So gotta try that. It makes me really. It just makes me feel warm and happy when I eat it. Oh yeah. Okay, W. Okay. So. Three for three so far. The wow. fourth okay. one. This one I know you're going to agree with me. Okay. Okay. Real Taqueria. W. Enchiladas. Enchiladas. Okay. So we're talking about mole a second ago. That's the star of this particular dish that we're talking about. Real Taqueria, if you're not familiar, is what? Is it 45th? It's by the old Cottonwood Mall. Yeah, like right off Highland. Yeah. Um, yeah, another relatively new place, maybe four or five years old. Um, and rumor has it they were the original owners of Lone Star That Taqueria. got like forced out of the Lone Star thing and went to start their own thing. They, which, they did a food truck for a while. Right. And then 
they got a brick and mortar once they got enough business. I still love Lone Star. Since Real Talkery has opened, I go almost exclusively there. I'm and I, this this is maybe controversial, and I think you'd agree. On average, better than Lone Star. I think most things are better than Lone Star. On average, better than Lone Star, which is both are good. Both are good. This stuff is really good though, and these enchiladas are interesting because you usually go to a Mexican restaurant, and you pick your sauce, <laughs> and you pick. You pick your meat or whatever, but they have, they know how they make them. You, if you ask for enchiladas there, you will get. You get one kind. You And what is it, Dan? I, I'm sorry, I should let you well, do your thing. You know, so you get you get two enchiladas and they have like yep. this really soft shredded chicken inside. Yep. And and then they put this chocolate mole on top. I believe I, it's mole negro, I think. Mole is, negro. Is the, is the... With like rice and beans. Yep. And the secret here, though, is you, ha- you, you, you have to order it through the drive-thru. Oh, really? Because you get almost twice as much. Re- really? Yeah. I don't drive through there. I'm only ever going in. But if you, you get more food. You get more food if you drive through. Really? And it like, and I like to eat it in the car, but I guarantee it always like the beans always spill on my pants right. and it's like Your hands messy. Are sticky when you're done. It's, but it, for some reason it just tastes so much better through the drive through. This is a fascinating dish because I will say that the, the meat is fine. The rice and beans are fine. Most things about this dish are fine. That mole, I think it just all goes together. Like, but my point is, it's one thing that's. It's like I think it's everything really ties it together. I I think that mole is one of the better things I've ever eaten. It's so good. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't know. It's 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 almost like dessert and main course in one thing. You know, because it is sweet, but it's it is it it is sweet, but yeah. Yeah, fabulous pick. I can't. I can't argue. Is, are you going to go five for five? Well, this one. Okay, this one. I have to like the next one. I've got to explain. Obviously, Cafe Rio. Okay, right. you know. I mean, everyone's heard of Cafe Rio. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and this isn't necessarily my favorite item at Cafe Rio. I wanted just to say like this is probably the thing I order most frequently. This is a shout out. No, really quick. What is your favorite thing at Cafe? Well, it's Rio? like the sweet pork burrito. Sweet pork burrito, right? Yeah. Is it, what sauce? Hot sauce. Hot sauce. Sweet pork burrito, hot sauce, enchilada style, black beans on the inside. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. You know, but this is like more of a day-to-day type thing yeah. that I like to order, like, because I eat there quite a bit, you know, and yeah. this is what I would, and like the sweet pork burrito is kind of a special occasion kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you shouldn't be pulling that lever all the time, probably. Yeah. But this is kind of like my, you know. Your day-to-day. The day-to-day kind of thing, because it's okay. the cheapest thing on the menu. What I get is I get a grilled chicken tostada. Okay. Okay. But I order, I get a whole wheat tortilla on the side. Okay. And then I ask for extra lettuce and extra pico. Okay. So you end up getting this really, really big meal. They don't really charge you extra for the extra lettuce and pico. Lettuce and pico are cheap. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a good, pretty balanced, nutritious meal that you Yeah, really exactly. And it's like, you, like you don't feel like a garbage monster after you eat it. Right? No, I feel pretty good. If I'm hungry... I'll get the vegetarian version where they give you double rice and double beans. Oh, uh, okay. And that, and I feel good after I eat it. And yeah. You have a hard time finishing that too. That's quite a bit of food. With you, the yeah, it's a lot. If you do the vegetarian version, it's like a lot of food. Now I should say really quick, hot tip, pro tip for Cafe Rio that I've started doing is if you're doing the salad or the tostada, um, I think that their, their, their house sauce is great. And I love that. If, if it's a cold winter day, and you're looking for something a little more warm, is you just get a cup of the hot sauce on the side. They're like the red enchilada sauce. goes awesome on the salads. 
See, I tried that and I didn't like it. It was kind really? of really have a hot, hot salad dressing. It's a, it's it's with the temperature I don't love, but the f- I, I on average I would eat it as like a side soup. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I actually I think I found the base that they use for that sauce at Smith's. You know, you can buy like you and mom buy like the the little jug of of like hatch green chilies. Mm-hmm. Same company does a red chili that's like not chunky. It's just like a really it's like the smooth kind of like oily red chili. Oh base. yeah, I've seen that. It's like a. An enchilada it, sauce that's in a jar that you can... pretty darn close to the... I mean, they're oh. doing something else to theirs. You should buy that, though, and start okay. cooking with it. I put it in some chili the other day. That was hidden. Wow. So five so, for five. Those are all good picks. No, I have a runner-up. Okay. That I just, like, I kind of thought of it after, but I'm like, oh, that's so good. Okay. Because um, I have a couple I'm thinking of that you haven't put out. So if you're ever driving past Utah County... Okay. Uh, 8th North in Orem. Okay. you got to exit. Just go east of the freeway. There's a restaurant called Malegros. Ah. And rumor has it, it was the former owners of Bajio that started this restaurant. Bajio, if you're too the, young to remember. This is the one that Cafe, or, or uh, uh, Costa Vida kind of bought out. I should out. say, no love for Costa Vida here. Costa Vida is a sad, not as good, and this is not dogmatic coming from me as a Cafe Rio fan. It is worse, and I will fight you on that. And Bajio was like a great kind of counter to Cafe, just for the people who are too young to remember, which I think is a lot of our listeners, was this great <laughs> counter to Cafe Rio that existed mostly in the early to mid-2000s. Yeah. That, and I think, is there still one left? There's still one on uh, by, by the mouth of Provo Canyon. Provo Canyon. Go check it. It's really, really good. Um, excellent stuff. And so to say that the owners of Bajio have created this is is a is an endorsement. Like that's a... You know, that's kind of a plug, huh? Yeah, and if you've been to Abajo, you can recognize a lot of the paintings and yeah. stuff inside. Um, and everything they have is, like, really different. It's really different mm. from a normal Mexican. It's very sweet. Yeah. But you can ask for things to be spicy instead of sweet. But mostly they do right. kind of – it's like if you like sweet Mexican. It's, it's thud food. You feel like a bit of a garbage monster after you eat it. Yeah, it's I, I not – It's not light. It's not light. Not like, light and fresh, but it's good. It's excellent. But um, there's one thing there that I just, it's insanely delicious. It's basically like, um, like they, they call it a crispy tortilla, which is code for they fried it. Yes. You know, so they, they basically take like the meat, put it in the crispy tortilla, and then they put this sauce over it, which is basically like a queso. It's like a cheesy sauce and they put a bunch of pico on top. So it's basically like a chimichanga with queso and pico de gallo. Like an open chimichanga experience, right? Yeah. Okay. And it's just like way good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you almost have to take a shower after you eat it because yep. it's, it's, there's. But if you're on your way down to St. George for a big day of riding the next day and you need to fuel up, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. It's so fun. So that's kind of a. That's the sixth one. I know I said I was just going to do five because five sounds better, but so I had to throw in a We're six. missing one I was, I was expecting to get from you, which is the Al Pastor Torta from Chungus. I thought of that one too. Okay, so that not making the list, I, I need to create some controversy here. I was surprised because that's a like phenomenal, tremendous sandwich. Yeah, choosing five was tough. That is tough. Yeah. That is tough. How many of them were Mexican? Four? All but one. All but one. Okay. That's okay. An- another one at runner-up would have been like a Five Guys hamburger. Really? A Five Guys hamburger? Yeah, I, love, this I love Five Guys hamburgers. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
we can discuss that offline. But um, I, I wish I should say we got. I'm I'm gonna shout out Chungus. I think Dan missed on that. I think that should have been in in the mix. Um, some of the best Alpastor I've had. Yeah, really, really good. See, wasn't this more fun than talking about like looking at fossils through microscopes? I don't know. I don't. I think you know what? I think there's. It's we got We've got a contrast though. You know, we've got like two different ends of the fun spectrum, right? I think we should do more food stuff this one. I love talking about food. I'm not qualified to talk about food. I love food. Dan and I kind of ride bikes so that we can eat food. Yeah, I don't know. Which if is that's not really, a it's, it's not a healthy not thing. It's not good motivation, but it it does get me on the bike a lot. So yeah, because I I don't know. We we have we have genes that aren't you know like forgiving of you know like we have genes and metabolisms that don't correspond to our food preferences. Uh, is the way that I'd, I'd put it. So, yeah, I love food, man. Are there any others we're missing? I feel like there's – That's it's hard to narrow it down. To oh, I could have – yeah. I, I was trying to keep it around five. Yeah. Um, I should say, if we're expanding, the one thing I do want to throw out, the food experience that I can't stop thinking about, if we expand to non-local options, is the California-based – uh, pasta sisters. Oh, oh, that because if you do something the best, and I should say, we went to Los Angeles in uh, January. Yeah, right after Christmas. Had some of their pasta, had their lasagna. I actually got had the opportunity because of my travel savvy uh, wife to go to Italy this summer for my honeymoon and try some pasta and lasagna there, and it was very much competitive with like. And I did my research on where to eat in Italy. Like I wasn't going to tourist. I went to good places. If you're ever in Los Angeles, because that's on the grand scheme of things, that's local, right? That's in our neck of the woods. Um, well, if, if anyone goes to Vail Lake with us, yeah, oh, we're going to take a little detour to Pasta Sisters. So Maybe the best food I've ever had. Yeah. It's a top three. We actually took our trip to LA mostly. Basically to, for that, huh? Mostly to try that place. Oh. So. Because Tess has been her, te, been wanting me to take her to Disneyland, and I'm like, maybe, maybe that's how I can get back there. Because I need some way to justify it. Because to tell someone you're going to drive to LA to eat a meal is kind of, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a crazy. bit. You kind of have to have a another excuse. Um, wow. Okay. We should do more. Should we do like a food segment on? Because I don't know, content wise, how much we're going to be able to do this <laughs> Like, oh no, I've, I'm actually excited. I've got some good things, and and the thing I figure too is we can repeat topics because they, they're worth like, yeah, like zone two is worth talking about more than once. Let's face it. That's okay. That's probably true. How about this? I will say, send us, send me or Dan, your food, your favorite local food things in specific. I want the dish you get. I want the modifications you're making to it and all that. And I will feature them and I will tell you if it's a W or an L. Okay, let's do that. That'll be okay. a fun little feature. And, and I will be so harsh. If you if you if you tell me that your favorite thing in the world is, you know, I'll I'll, I'll tell you it's an L. So we'll we'll have some drama here. Okay. Uh, send those over. We can make that a recurring feature. How about that? Yeah, that'll be fun. Hey everyone, enjoy your rest. Put those feet up. Um, drink fluids, eat food. Watch some Netflix. Be like a normal kid for a sec. Just veg. <laughs> Eat some cereal, sleep in, ignore your homework. I don't know. That's I'm probably going too far here. <laughs> Rob a Walgreens, huff gasoline. Okay, let's stop. <laughs>
Okay. Okay, we better end. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, We look forward to uh, uh, talking to you guys next week. We'll find some interesting stuff to talk about. Send me your food pics. Everyone enjoy your rest, and uh, we will talk soon.